episode 16 of Transistor for October 7th, 2012, and Trans Journey, Leaders and Farms. Another subject, translation, leg hair. I know you're going to want to hear about that. And we have transitions, the process to getting going, brow bone shaving. It is just as painful as it sounds. Transonic, Brian's mind Transformers, urethral sounds, and transmissions with news from around the world. This is Transistor with your host, Velvet Steel. Talk on trans folks, trans issues, trans stuff. And me, where you're going to hopefully listen, learn, and I hope laugh. Trans journey. Leaders and followers. What does that mean? I bet we've all been told that when we were kids in school. And, well, are you a leader? Are you a follower? What are you? Well, I never thought I was any sort of leader. I always thought I was a follower because I was always spending most of my time too busy listening to what everybody else was doing and being super shy and thinking, thinking, thinking. And I could never figure out, you know, why did we have to be a leader or a follower? What? I mean, okay. Huh. Right. Okay. So I was always in my own little world of thoughts and stuff. And coupled with the fact that I was shy, painfully shy, people would always think of me as, you know, a little bit of a moody kid because I wasn't interested in talking to people. Well, that's not the truth. The fact is I was shy. Well, I didn't like using the boys' bathroom. Um, I didn't like going in there and feeling like I was going to get picked on or any of those other weird little things that took place because that was what was going through my head. And, uh, you know, I was always following the kids about who were doing stuff because I didn't have the guts to do a lot of the stuff that they were doing. And uh, it didn't take, well, did take a long time for me to figure that out. And not to mention the fact that I was dyslexic. I still am. And I remember being in school and doing different things. And I remember one of the times that I couldn't pronounce the word vegetable. Well, I didn't even know how to spell it. And when I was spelling it, I was spelling it all backwards. You know, I started out with the V on the front and the E on the end. And how it came out of my mouth was Valentables. Hmm. Where did that come from? What the hell was that all about? You know, and then getting stood up in front of class to read. I couldn't read out loud. I couldn't read period properly. I would read the sentences and I would take the words and I would jumble the sentence and the words would come back and forth, back and forth. And then, well, when you're being told to stand up and read out loud to the class, because kid, every kid in school had to take their turn standing up and reading out loud to the class, well, I'd screw it up, and there I'd get picked on. Mm-hmm. And the same happened with numbers. You know, I couldn't count by twos, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, all these other different things. Count by fives, count by tens, count by hundreds, even let alone count. I couldn't even remember phone numbers properly, and then suddenly I was able to remember phone numbers. I'd know the phone number, and I'd go to write it down, and I'd write it down wrong. But it would come out of my mouth right. There was all these kinds of weird things going on. And um, 
And so that really, really bothered me. And I couldn't figure out why I had these problems. Well, I guess I was just too shy and too busy thinking about different things. And, you know, wanting to be cool like, you know, dude over there or Johnny over here or Mary over there. And be hanging out with them and be part of their cool crowd. Because, well, these were kids that just did everything and did anything that they wanted to do. And, um, you know, even riding a bike, riding a bike for me was a painful thing. But as I mentioned before, getting hitting a car head on on a bicycle with training wheels may have done a little bit more of a lasting impression than I realized that I was ever going to do or realize that I was ever going to let affect me. And I remember my favorite thing in school because I was so worried about different things. And I thought it was cooler to ask the question about why was my teacher's hair, Mrs. Choate's hair, longer on one side, not realizing that it was an asymmetrical cut. Well, I got put over her knee and spanked soundly in front of the rest of the kids because, well, I just wasn't paying attention, was I? Translation. The art of the past. Leg hair. We all get it. We all have it. Well, not all of us get it right away. But, uh, yeah, it didn't take me... mm, Well, it took me a long time. It took me till I was 29 before I had anything growing on my legs. And then when I started shaving that, well, the prickling action. So here I was, you know, shaving legs. Because I had no clue about how to deal with that. No one ever told me about anything to do with leg hair. And there I was, shaving, shaving, shaving. Well, literally took a dry razor to see how that was going to go and shaved my leg. Well, I should have known better. I was a hairdresser, for Christ's sakes. He always lubricated the skin and did that. And then when it came, I was like, oh, my God. There I was, soaking in the tub, figuring out, okay, i got to lubricate the skin. i got to soften up the hair that's coming out there, and i got to shave it with a nice cream. Shaved it. Day later, growing back, prickle like crazy. Prickle for days. It was awful. And I know a lot of people you out there can relate to that, the whole idea of prickling. Well, there's got to be a better way to deal with this. So I tried neat. Huh. Neat, not so nice, not so fun, not so interesting. It does burn if your skin's not used to it. So I decided that I wasn't going to try that for a while. I'd go back to shaving and I'd deal with that. Well, then I got it in my head that I was going to try waxing. Well, if anybody's been out and had waxing done, it's not fun. And it certainly doesn't feel good. You Here you go. You get a nice cold or a hot wax going on. And in my case, it's always been a hot wax. Because there's no way I'm going to put a cold wax on there and then try to pick that shit off after. Uh-uh. So you're laying there and you're getting your skin rubbed with an alcohol prep to sort of get rid of all the, you know, the oil on your skin and make it all happen and make it good and be able to adhere better to the wax is what that's all about. And sometimes it would sting. Yeah, it would. And my first time getting my legs waxed, it was like, oh my God, put the wax on. It's warm just before burning. Put the canvas strip on and yeah. Breathe deep because you gotta keep on breathing deep because you've got, well, 36 inches of two legs left to do, you know, and that's gonna take probably another 45 minutes to get that done. So there I got into the whole idea of getting my legs waxed, and I had dealt with the pain and going through the pain and dealing with all this other stuff. And then when I moved to Vancouver, I went to this one place and I was gonna get my legs waxed there, and she had great advertising. Lovely ads about how good she was and how she was dealing with the community here and the LGBT community there and the guys and doing all these intimate parts on the guys. Well, how bad could she be? I'm going to go and get my legs waxed with her. Well, um, two hours later, 
I'd only had one leg done. Mm-hmm. And uh, it hurt like a motherfucker. I don't know what the hell this woman was doing or why she was doing it, but she'd put on the wax there and then she'd put on the canvas strip and she would take her time ripping that strip off. It got to the point where I said, enough is enough and I'm getting out of here. No more of that stuff. I finally found the lady that I love going to, Barbie here, and she's uh, got an amazing little place that she works out of her studio, her own private little studio. That woman, she can get my legs waxed in 35 minutes. I don't even have time to think about the pain that it takes with that, you know, but uh, sometimes you get a little bit more. You want to, okay, what else can I get waxed? How far can I go? Where is the hair? Where's the hair coming now? Well, you know, I don't have much hair going on the crack of my butt now, but there were times where I had a little bit more and I thought, well, I'm going to get rid of that shit. And, you know, working at one of the spas that I worked at in Toronto, I had heard about how... One of the bicyclists, well, courier guys who would always come into the salon and uh, he was boyfriend with one of the girls that worked there. Well, he got roped into being a guinea pig to get his legs waxed. And little did he know, next thing you know, he's being flipped over on his stomach and told to get on his knees and getting the crack of his ass waxed. Wow. Well, that was one thing I wasn't going to try. I wasn't (laughs) getting my ass waxed. Are you crazy? No way. And after I'd heard about the story about how this poor guy had had this done, he never showed up back there. Well, I'm going to stick neat there. I'm going to check that out. Well, good old slathering a neat at the crack of your ass. Hmm. You want to talk about a burn? That burns. That burns. That burns. That burns. And, uh, but it certainly leaves it nice and baby smooth. Oh, well, trust me. If you want to get rid of all the hair down there and get rid of all those will nots that some of you guys out there have, and some of you girls maybe have, I don't know, get a good old slathering knee down there. Or better yet, go and spend the money and get it lasered. It really does work. Transitions, cosmetic procedures, not always, but the road to beauty and everything else and always easy. One of the ones that people always think about and they don't seem to realize is the fact that the skull has a different shape, especially when it comes to men and women. The men always have a, well, in 99% of men, they have a more defined brow bone. And that brow bone is strong, and it makes a larger protrusion that's right over top of the eyes, right where the nose meets the top of the forehead there, and it comes out. And in some cases, you know, I've heard women call it the Neanderthal, the Neanderthal look, the Neanderthal brow bone, things like that. Well, to soften that up, there are a lot of individuals out there who have actually opted to have that, and there's doctors who are actually offering that. And Dr. Osterhaus, as well as another one who's offering that too, the brow bone shaving. Well, the process there isn't necessarily the easiest nor the nicest because the bone has a different density throughout the face. So to start off with, once you've gone through your process of consulting and finding out if you are a candidate suitable for that, you need to have your face x-rayed. You have to have the depth or the thickness of the bone monitored and checked out before you can actually go in and have it shaved. And yes, I said shaved. So once that's done, if you're good enough to have it shaved as well, and you got enough bone there that's actually going to be thick enough for them to shave it down and contour it properly. And they are going to contour it in a nicer, rounder shape. Well, most of the doctors that are doing it are actually going to either cut in your hairline, be behind your hairline actually, and they're going to peel your skin forward. They're going to dislodge it from the muscles that are on your forehead, 
all around the sides and they're going to pull it down. So you're going to end up with a lovely flap of skin that's going to hang over top of your nose, covering over your eyes. Well, you're not going to see anyway because you're going to be out. And what they're going to do is going to take much like a chisel or a plane or a wood planer and they're going to scrape that across your brow bone. And they're going to take it off and they're going to shave it off. Now, don't think that your brow bone or your bone, period, it doesn't have living tissue inside. It does. The marrow, that's where a lot of stuff comes from that actually helps your body function. And um, so you're going to open that part up and it's going to become very sensitive. So once it's been shaved down, there is a serious healing process that's going to take place. So when the skin is pulled back and it's sutured up and it all heals back in place properly... You're going to be very tender across the front of the brow bone as it actually grows back and it covers over that open, well, core of your bone where the marrow is and solidifies up again. When you think about babies, for example, they have nice soft scalps and that's basically so the bones can actually fluctuate and move when they're going through the birth canal. Well, the same idea is that it's bone that solidifies once the baby is born. And that can take up to six weeks. The same thing happens from a brow shaving. It takes up to six weeks, some eight weeks to do the same thing. Now, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I know individuals who have their whole face peel forward down to do their jawbone and chin. Not fun. But in the process of, you know, beauty and feminization and softening up, well worth for the individual. Transonic. My life as a dominatrix. Pro and personal. I like to consider myself a pretty good mind fuck artist. Um, what does that mean, you say? Well, I like to get inside your head, the head of individuals that I'm playing with, the head of an individual that's come to see me, paid or not. And play around, fuck around, you know? I like to create stories, I like to create scenarios. And Brian was a guy who used to come to me on a regular basis, big guy, and a tall guy, and I think he was an Xboxer, I'm not exactly sure, but he liked to cross-dress. He wasn't the most feminine when he was dressed up, but he certainly was sexy. I remember having him sit there and slowly have him put that leg up and I would put it across my thighs and I would slowly start to unroll a nice set of silky stockings up his legs. Ooh, so there'd be one leg done and then I would tell him to give me the other one and I'd roll it up that leg as well and get him up there and have him standing up there and I would tuck that dick of his right back between his legs. I didn't want to see cock. He wasn't a, he wasn't a boy. He was going to be my hot little slut, you know? So, here he is standing up, and I'm getting some corsets on him. Well, he needed a couple, actually, because he, like I said, he was a big boy. And I'm not saying fat. He was just big. He was huge. And once those were on, he had a nice, silky pair of panties went right over top of that. And they were so tight and so lovely that they kept everything in place. And before I could put the shoes on, well, I had to get on the nice mini dress. I had this beautiful, black, shiny mini dress that looked like someone had splashed water on it. It was the wet look, and it was totally skin tight and totally sexy. So as I slid that up his legs, slowly toying with his legs with my fingertips and cooing out my mouth about how much he was going to be a dirty slut walking that street for me. He's going to feel so sexy and touch his ass. I'd get his arms in there and I'd stand right beside him and sort of look at him in the eye and give a nice little wink. Ooh, that dress was so pretty. It was so sweet, but it was short. 
His ass cheeks were always exposed at the back of that. And I love seeing his ass cheeks hanging just below that. And once he had that dress on, well, he needed a nice big set of tits, didn't he? So I had these nice boobs that I would always slide in behind her, and they would stay right in place because that dress was so tight. Next came the wig, next came a bit of lipstick. I couldn't put too much on because, you know, he did have to go home afterwards, so getting that makeup off was a bit of a problem, and he didn't like that. And then once that was on, came the shoes, and he would walk. He would walk for me in those seriously high heels. And they must have been, well, if I remember correctly, five inches. And walking in five inches for the first time is not the easiest thing that someone can do. Well, I remember on one of our sessions, he was all decked out in his gorgeous outfit and looking so hot and feeling so good. And I decided for some strange reason that I was going to tie him to my St. Andrew's cross. So there I was, pushing him up against the St. Andrew's cross with my fists, tying him tight, putting his arms above his heads, putting them into those wrist shackles and making them so tight and so strong that he couldn't even move. He couldn't do anything. And then, of course, as I kicked his legs apart down below, I stood right in front of him, watched him, and said, you be quiet. And as I bent down, I put his wrist shackles on. I could feel him starting to tremble and shake. And as I slowly came up, scratching his inner thighs with my nails, past his belly, over his tits, up to his head, I grabbed him by the neck and started cooing gentle, subtle nothings into his ears about how much of a bitch he was, how slutty he was, how good he looked in those heels. And I bet he could feel the silkiness of those pantyhose and those panties pushing real tight across his huge man clit and how good he was going to look in that. And he was going to walk down the street and he was going to smell all that perfume. He was going to take it all in and everybody's going to smell on him because the perfume he was wearing, as I like to call Hoor Allure was going to get all the right attention and he was going to feel those tits on his and he was going to lick those lips with that red lipstick. Cocksucker red as well is what I always like to call it because you can't go out without making a statement. Cocksucker red lipstick. Can you now? At any rate, I could feel from him that something was going on. He started to get a little bit clammy sweat. He started to breathe a little bit erratically. And uh, I asked him if there was a problem. He says... Yeah, do you mind if I just get down off this cross and sit down for a couple minutes? And I said, no, not at all. Took him down, sat him down, and I let him have a breather as I went into the other room for five to eight minutes, and I came back in. And when I came back in, he was completely dressed. And, uh, you know, that's not all the conversation that I had with him. There was quite a bit going on there before I got him feeling and thinking the way he was. Because, from what he had told me, I had him thinking completely like he was a girl. And he had just been so seriously mind-fucked that he thought it was the best session he'd ever had. He felt 100% woman. He could think 100% woman. He wanted to go out 100% woman. And it kind of freaked him out. So what did he do? He got undressed out on that couch and waited for me to come back in the room and to let me know that it was the best session he'd ever had. And wow, I didn't realize I could do that or was capable. Transformers. Urethral sounds. Are you wondering what that is? Hmm, I bet you are. Sounds. Urethral. Urethral sounds. How do they work? What do they do? Well, 
If you're familiar with anything to do with sounding, sounding the whole idea of checking for depth and things like that, not only does it apply to the body, but it also applies to, um, you know, checking for depth in terms of the ocean, caverns, things that are like that through sounding, through vibration, through sounds that are off of a metal tuning fork, something like that. And you probably have seen these in your younger days or on medical, you know, shows and things like that, where they'll actually take a tuning fork and take it to the ear to see if someone can hear. Well, one of the things that they also use those for, and it sort of morphed into a whole different ball game, was for the urethra, the penis. And uh, so what you would be doing is you would be having a metal tube inserted down into the urethra and uh, then take a sound and put it against there. And what they dictated with that was that they could be able to tell to see if there was any sort of growth on the inside of the urethra. And that was one of those things that they did years ago in the medical profession to see if there was any problems, any abnormalities and things like that. Well, for those who are kinky and in the know and things like that, they have gotten into the idea of taking a metal sound, a metal rod, and actually inserting it into the urethra while they're erect. And it gives a whole different sensation to the, well, to masturbating. So you're actually masturbating from the inside out rather from the outside in like most people do. So a lot of the guys that I know, they go and get themselves a urethral sound, insert that into their cock, and they will actually work it from the inside and work it from the outside and have fun. And any store that you're going to go to that's a good sex shop is going to have something like that. And it just so happens that the ones that I like to go to, Sweet Adult Boutique and Little Sisters here in Vancouver, carry urethral sounds. And they have them in vibrating form. They have them in graduated bulbs. They have them in different diameters, different curvatures. They have them in sets. They have them in bulbs that you can insert down. I myself have three different sets because you know what? There's something that I love about having someone tied up and taking one of those things lubed up fully with a nice water-based lubricant such as KY. I want it to be gel-like and slowly letting it drop down to its fullest depth and having some fun. Urethral sounds. Check them out. Transmissions news from around the world some nice some not so nice some interesting some just bizarre i got a few for you today and my first one here transgender man speaking out after he was denied care for breast cancer now when we say transgender man we are talking about female to male just for those of you who are wondering new yorker jay calio 56 a former paramedic who is disabled with kidney failure Rheumatoid arthritis and now cancer has struggled to find proper medical care. When a suspicious lump was found in Calio's breast and tested positive for cancer, the surgeon was allegedly shocked about his gender. Allegedly shocked. Okay. And then felt he could not tell Calio the results. What the fuck? The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has said that under Affordable Care Act, it is against the law to discriminate against transgender patients in federally funded health care programs. Calio, who transitioned six years ago, learned he had breast cancer accidentally when a lab technician called to ask how he was doing with his diagnosis. Horrified, Calio went to seek a medical oncologist who he described to ABC News as hostile and refused to advise him on treatments. Later, the doctor apologized, saying, I don't think it interfered with the quality of your care. <laughs> In an effort to find new doctors, it delayed the start of chemotherapy beyond the therapeutic window for Calio's aggressive form of breast cancer. 
A 2011 NCTE survey revealed before the Affordable Care Act, transgender people suffered harassment in education, employment, housing, and health care, as well as in government and prison systems. The survey also found one in five transgender people had been denied care by a medical provider, including doctors, clinics, hospitals, and ambulance drivers. Calio said they were so, we were so vulnerable when we are sick. I was at the point where I was going to forego treatment. Really? No. I had greater trust in the natural course of my cancer with my, than with my providers. No one should be treated like that when they face a potentially terminal diagnosis. Like I said before in any of my podcasts, and I'll say it again, probably in more. If you don't have a doctor that's going to listen to you, get a new one. Get on board with getting someone who is going to listen to you and care about you properly. Next up, Fernanda Milan gains last-minute reprieve from Danish deportation. This one is dear to my heart because Denmark is where I come from, and this is not something I would expect from them at all. She'd been going through some stuff previously in regards to the possibility of being deported by the Danish authorities, but anyway, listen up for this. At the last hour, Danish authorities had put on hold a Guatemalan trans woman's deportation that activists say would have put her life in danger. Fernanda Milan was due to leave Denmark last Monday, September the 17th, and it was un- wasn't until af- the afternoon of that day that she heard that the refugee board had decided to reopen her case, as they should. When the refugee board chose to reopen the case, it shows that we were right, said Steen Larsen from the T-Refugee Project, a group of activists fighting for Milan to remain in Denmark. We know that Fernanda is in danger in Guatemala because she is transgender and a human rights activist. Milan came to Denmark after she was attacked and threatened by police in Guatemala because she is trans. On arrival in Denmark, Milan was placed in a male detention center and raped by many men. She ended up working in a brothel where she was rescued by anti-human trafficking organization Ridden International, who have housed her in a women's center since February 2011. Here's Fernanda explaining her situation, offering insight into her life for transgender persons living in Guatemala. I come seeking asylum. I was a transgender activist in Guatemala, and as far as being a transgender person in Guatemala is pretty much dangerous. Being an activist is uh, the double dangerous because the media attention comes into you, so that makes you a target target and more vulnerable from attacks and um, extrajudicial execution and um, discrimination from people. For me, it's dangerous to live in Guatemala as a transgender person because there are no rights for transgender persons in Guatemala. People, when they are very young, they are um, thrown out of the family circles. They are thrown out of um, jobs and um, education institutions because of your gender identity and also for your sexual orientation. So it's dangerous to be gay in Guatemala, but it's double dangerous to be transgender because you are the obvious part of the community. And what happened that made you want to escape? Well, I was attacked by a police officer. I have been attacked many times by civil um, civilians, but this time was different because it, I was attacked by a police And um, previous years, there have been uh, police attacks for transgender activists in um, precisely from the organization that I work with, that is called Oasis. And um, 
I was afraid of my life. If I come back to Guatemala, I would get killed. I would um, get prosecuted. I might get tortured. Um, but uh, I, I seek asylum because I think I have the right to save my life. Because I think I have the right to have a safe space where I can develop as a human right activist and I can develop as a human being. And I think it is important to understand that in third world countries where people is um, killed, assassinated, violated, abused in their rights as a civilians, yes, because their gender orientation, I mean, we all, as a world, we are responsible for this. But in cases where you are more vulnerable because you have been trying to do the right thing for your community, I mean, it's where the whole um, civilization world should grant protection to a person who's trying to make uh, the society a better place. Following the news that Milan was due to be deported back to Guatemala, protests were held in London and Denmark earlier that month, or this month. Now, T-Refugee Project and Milan are working on convincing the Danish authorities that her case for political asylum is genuine. This is half the battle, Milan said. We have, given, we have proven that it works to fight for justice. We are only halfway, but the resumption gives me strength to fight for my life again. In a video for the Save for Fernanda Milan campaign, she said, As far as being a transgender person in Guatemala is probably the most dangerous. Being an activist is double dangerous because of the media attention comes into you, so that makes you a target more vulnerable to attacks and extrajudicial execution and discrimination. to Transistor with your host, Velvet Steel. Send us your comments and suggestions by clicking on the voicemail tab located on outloudshows.com or use the form located on the show page. <laughs>